Well, good morning, everybody. We're back. And uh, here we are in the new normal. Crazy business, uh, car, automatic factoring and retailing, and the world's upside down when it comes to buying or leasing, maintaining, repairing your car. Upside down a lot of other ways, too. So uh, these are going to be some special shows we do during this, uh, hopefully, the tail end of uh, the COVID thing we're going through. But we're still there. Uh, we're still, I've been in the business since 1968 as a car dealer, and uh, that's a long, long time. Never seen anything like the way cars are being bought and sold today, manufactured. Everything's topsy-turvy. And uh, when the dust settles, um, I was just talking to my son, Josh. By the way, Josh Stewart's filling in for Stu Stewart. Uh, one, uh, Josh is my youngest son. Uh, we were talking about what are we going to be doing in 10 years, or actually what he's going to be doing in 10 years. I'll be retired, but uh, hopefully. And uh, it's going to be a different world out there. Are we going to have car dealerships? Uh, are we going to have a need for repair? There's an interesting article in the current Automotive News, September, that Nancy's going to talk about a little bit, about the cars that have the uh, highest cost and lowest cost of maintenance and repair. And the first thing that struck me uh, when I read the article was, boy, I tell you, if there's anything good about cars today, it's the low cost of maintenance and repair. So there are some good things going on in the business, along with the super high prices, buying and leasing, and repairing and maintaining to some extent right now, uh, because everybody, uh, we have a low supply, high demand, um, added a record number of jobs uh, last month, and just when we're talking about recession, we say, are we? And um, Prices are just sky high. That's the way it's going to be. So what we'll try to do on the show today is help you uh, make some uh, calculated, intelligent decisions about uh, when to buy a car, how to buy a car. Uh, we've got uh, Rick Kearney, who's sitting on my right here in the studio. Uh, you heard him mention in the recorded introduction. And he can give you some great tips on uh, how to avoid being taken advantage of by repairs. If you do have an issue that's worrying you about your car, give us a call at 877 960 9960, that's the phone number. We prioritize that call, by the way. Uh, we uh, get text, we get uh, Facebook posts, uh, we get YouTube posts, but we prioritize the old-fashioned telephone. 877-960-9960. Now, Rick, he, he uh, monitors the YouTube channel, Earl's, Earl on Cars, or it's youtube.com forward slash Earl on Cars, youtube.com forward slash Earl on Cars. Rick will see the posting, and uh, he will wave his hand, and we will recognize Rick, and he will read your post on the air. So uh, if you have something that you're afraid to bring into a repair shop or to the dealership because you might be uh, taken advantage of, ask Rick. He might save you a lot of money. Uh, I have to mention for our new listeners, everybody that is a regular listener knows about this, uh, the highlight of our show is the Mystery Shopping Report. And uh, Josh Stewart, uh, he's running that department now where we send an undercover agent in to some dealership somewhere. I started to say in Florida, but actually we're in other states as well, and uh, mainly in Florida. So we have a new Mystery Shopping Report every week. Um, agent Lightning, that's our, her nickname, uh, she goes undercover 
pretends to buy a car, goes through the whole uh, rigmarole, and then reports exactly what happened, names the dealer, names the managers and the salespeople, gives her thoughts on how she was treated, and we read it on the air, and then you vote on it. So uh, that comes toward the end of the show, the last half hour. We're on from now until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we know you'll be tuning in, tuning out. If you have to tune out, try to turn back, tune back in the last 20 minutes anyway, and we'll uh, have another exciting mystery shopping report. Uh, let me do this. I want to introduce Nancy Stewart. Uh, she's sitting to my left here, co-founder of the show many years ago, and a strong female advocate. Uh, she has a very special offer for you ladies that um, have not called into the show. I know a lot of you listen, and uh, most people are a little timid about calling in, being live on, on radio or YouTube or, or Facebook, for that matter. So uh, if you haven't called in before, I'm going to ask Nancy to tell you about what she has in store for you, a really nice surprise. Definitely. Uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to an exciting show. Ladies, for the first two new callers, we offer you $50 this morning, the first two female callers. And if it's the first time that you call, you have a surprise, $50. So give us a call at 877-960-9960. Uh, you can also text us at 772-497-6530. And uh, also, I, I want to mention uh, Earl's Vigilantes before we go on. We, we don't, um, well, mention them often, and uh, they really do deserve recognition. And to the volunteers that we have had, thank you so much. And if you're listening this morning, would love to hear from you and hear how the progress is going as far as people, consumers, reaching out to you. Yeah, let me jump in there. We were talking about this, Nancy and I were talking about it earlier, and the conversation went something like this. Is Earl on Cars, is this radio show preaching to the choir? And we said, you know, we've got a pretty sophisticated audience, people that call in. We've been doing this for a lot of years. Uh, we're, we're actually talking to a lot of people that maybe don't need our advice that much. Uh, but you make an interesting show because you ask such good questions and you send in such interesting texts. So the purpose of the vigilantes, by the way, free hat, if you join the vigilantes. We're trying to get a list of the name of our vigilantes, and Stu Stewart is the one that has the access to that list. For some reason, we weren't able to get that list, but we will read it next week. It's classified and, information. Yes. Highly classified. Classified, <laughs> yeah. But uh, the vigilantes uh, take the information, and they make it available to their community. So the, the plan is to have uh, Earl's vigilantes all over the country, You'll be in Pennsylvania and Missouri, and you'll be in California, and we'll recognize your location where you are, and then local people can call you up, and you can be a local source of advice on how to buy or lease a car or maintain or repair your car. So if you go to EarlOnCars.com, that's the website, uh, there'll be a little link there called Earl's Vigilantes. You sign up, you get a free hat. And uh, we give your contact information, of course, this is all with your permission, to everybody. And local people could go to the website and they could call you. Hopefully, we'll have enough vigilantes at some point in time that 
you'll be able to even talk about the local dealers in that area with the vigilante. So as Nancy said earlier, and I'm going to turn the mic back over to her, uh, thank you very much, all you vigilantes out there that have really been helping the people within your own communities. I, we, we really appreciate you doing we, that, and you do it for free. Yeah, we definitely appreciate them. And, uh, you know, uh, the other uh, part of this uh, good well, response that we get from you on uh, Earl's Vigilantes is the uh, internet. There are some of us who really can't, you know, make their way around to obtain information that they need. And we also have volunteers on that aspect of it. So, if any of you are listening this morning, give us a call. Let us know how things are going and uh, what the response has been out there. 877-960-9960. I have a question for our audience, and uh, this may inspire you to give us a call. Uh, Recently, uh, the uh, Consumer Report had some uh, interesting information on new car costs, uh, that is, uh, maintaining and uh, repairing them, and what it costs a year. What do you think, which brand do you think costs more than, you know, any other brand a year to maintain and repair? Equally interesting, maybe more interesting, is which car costs the least. That too. If you know the answer to that question, give us a call, 877-960-9960. We're going to go straight to the phones where we have Bob, who's been holding, and Jane will be right with you. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. How is everybody today? Great. Thank you for calling in. Thank you very much. I have a question for your ace mechanic. Uh, I have a friend that has a uh, 2002 Lexus SC430 with 70,000 miles. He was driving down the road, lost power, pulled over, put the hood up. There was smoke coming out. Had the car towed to the Lexus dealer on Okeechobee Boulevard. And they told him he had a cracked radiator and that the timing belt had come off and would need to be, uh, 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 you know, fixed. So he uh, he said he called your dealership and, to, you know, to get a, to get a price. Uh, and uh, he spoke to someone over there by the name of Josh. Do you have someone there that works by that name? Yep. <clears throat> yeah, Josh okay. Scott, service writer. Oh, okay, service writer. Okay, so, so Josh told him uh, that it was going to be $2,800 just for the timing belt. And according to him, the Lexus people's price was going to be a lot less. And I was surprised because uh, normally I would think that their labor rates per hour are got to be higher than yours. And everything's done off a book, uh, so many hours for some whichever type of job it is. So I'm not quite sure why you were priced a lot higher than the Lexus deal. I would think the Lexus deal would, would have been, I would, I would have thought it would have been the opposite. Well, you're exactly right, Bob. That's what uh, should be the case. And uh, I'm not sure why uh, the difference. I, uh, Rick uh, can speak to the timing belt. Uh, it, it, uh, what would you, in your experience, say would be the cost of uh, replacing a timing belt? Well, they, Earl, Earl, they told him they told him that the uh, timing belt would be a five-hour job. Okay. That yeah, that labor time sounds about right. However, it may be that Lexus was going with simply the idea of 
replacing just the timing belt, whereas we have found in our experience, we generally right. recommend the timing belt as part of a package. In other words, the right. timing belt, it. the drive and the belt, and the water pump, and the water pump too. Right, right. the water right. pump, thermostat, right. and any oil seals that are behind the the uh, timing belt, because on a twenty-year-old car, those seals Got are it. going to be twenty years old. It's time to replace those, and if you don't replace them and they go bad a year later, they're gonna dump oil all over that brand, brand new timing belt and can break that uh, belt. So right. we generally recommend to take care of all of that at once because it's it's much cheaper in the long run to do it at once than to do it separate components. I, yeah, ab absolutely, because everything's apart anyway. <coughs> and I also I no also noticed that most, most of the uh, YouTube videos on it, uh, when, they, when, they ch when they have to change the belt, they usually automatically will change the water pump out. Yes. They have to t I guess they have to get to the belt. They have to take the water pump apart anyway. So, <clears throat> so I kind of thought that's what it was. But uh, yeah, they told, they didn't tell him that at the Lexus deal. Uh, I mean, they did, they were very kind to him. They gave him a loan, a car, an all beautiful car. And uh, but he has bring he has brought some of his vehicles to your uh, service department before uh, to be fixed. But I just thought it was odd that uh, <clears throat> I thought it was odd that the, the Lexus would be. Uh, cheaper than than uh, your than your labor rates. Your labor rates. Your labor your labor rates over there are what per hour? About one fifty an hour. One fifty, and at the Lexus dealership, they got to be what two something, I would think, huh? I have no idea. Bob, you're absolutely right, and you know the your your call is important to a lot of people listening for a lot of reasons. Uh, we recommend regularly that if you have a vehicle that is built, has a luxury version, you know, if you if you have a Chevrolet, uh, uh, you know, it's a General Motors product. So if you have a Cadillac, you can take that Cadillac to a Chevrolet dealer in most cases, unless it's warranty work, uh, they're, they're qualified right. to repair. And the same thing with Lexus and Toyota. In this case here, uh, you have a telephone call to a dealership, two telephone calls to two dealerships, and two verbal quotes. Uh, and uh, a lot of things can happen, and a lot of things can be lost in the translation. Uh, so uh, there are some dealers, I'm not accusing Lexus or any dealer uh, necessarily, but all dealers probably are guilty of this, either accidentally or, or on purpose. When someone calls up and says, how much does this cost? You're reluctant to give a very, very high price, perhaps, because it would dissuade them from coming in. And once right. You, well, I think I think yeah. they told them the radiator would be somewhere around a thousand to twelve hundred dollars yeah. for the radiator. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but when he called when he called your dealership and and, and Josh told him twenty eight hundred just for the for the yeah. belt, yeah. he was really taken aback. Yeah. And uh, and I said, well, to me, I said it doesn't sound right. I said it's got to be less at Oral Stewart's dealership than at mm. the Lexus dealership. And all the hey, other, I got a funny, I got a funny story for you though. Let me let me just say one more thing, Bob, before yeah, your funny story, because it's a great call. The other thing to remember is that with a 20-year-old vehicle, here we have a 2002, you got to be very careful spending a lot of money on a 20-year-old car because you might be throwing good money after bad and also the resale value. So okay, now, I, now I got my message out, and now here, I want to hear the funny story. Listen. Listen, the, he was pulled over. He, he, he was going down south, and this was on Hypoluxo Road. So he pulled off the ramp, off I-95. And some guy pulls over in a Mercedes. It's a Mercedes dealer. Wanted to buy his car from him. 
I'm not kidding you. Well, it's crazy, it's crazy car, out there. Well, yeah. This, yeah. Well, this, this car, these cars, these uh, 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 SC 430s, uh, his car's in uh, really tip-top uh, condition. He's taken very uh, good care of it, and uh, they're like a specialty car. Yeah. And he got the guy gave him this car, wound up by the car, right? You know, right there, and then sure. I thought it was kind of funny. You yeah, know, but he does want to get another. He does want to get another car. But the, you know, the situation right now yeah. is, you know, what it is, and yeah. uh, you know, and and you know, I, I want. I have a little bit of a, a, a something to say. Uh, last year, you were telling people to wait until last year, this time of the year, you mm-hmm. were telling people to wait to the end of 2021 before yeah. they go buy a car. <laughs> now, now we're in. Now we're a year later, and you're telling them to wait to the end of this year to go buy a car. But from what I see, from what I've been hearing that the supply and the demand equilibrium will not be in place for another year and a half. Well, true. So we're going to be in a situation. So if you need to buy a car, if someone wants to go buy a car, they're going to just have to go shop around and deal with it. Because, I don't know, know, somebody's going to wait a year and a half. I know I wouldn't do it at my age. You know, I know know you you, you didn't wait. Earl, you didn't wait. You went and bought a Tesla, didn't you? Yeah, I, I got a Tesla. But back on your point about when things are going to be better, uh, things aren't going to suddenly become better. They're, they're gradually. In fact, the prices are stabilizing. They are coming down a little bit. And uh, the, the question remains, a year from now, uh, will they be there? I don't think we're ever going to be back to pre-2021. Uh, back then, car dealers were losing money in their new car departments on average. And uh, there was a huge oversupply. And uh, it was crazy that a car, new car dealer can't make money selling new cars. Now, they suddenly realize not only are they making money, they're making an obscene amount of money. And I don't I think... I get it. it. I know. I've seen the numbers. Yeah. I've seen it. So what would you suggest... What would you suggest my friend to do? He's got his car down there at the Lexus dealer. What, 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 you know, what's your thought? Well, I think he should get the market value of his car. He can shop it around. He go to Carvana. We buy any car dot com. You know, the Lexus dealer himself will buy the car. The yeah, Mercedes I mean about, guy. I'm talking about the. I'm talking about the repair. Joe. Oh, the repair. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would definitely get uh, another quote. I would have why when he got a serious quote because a, a telephone quote is just that. You know, it's not. You just don't know how serious. When they look at the car and they get a written estimate, mm-hmm. that will be something. Uh, he can make a decision on. Then I would take right. it to another mechanic, or another uh, independent, or another Lexus dealer, and well, get another not, quote. It's not, dri- it's not drivable right now. Oh, okay. It's not drivable. Well, then, then he can still get. You know, if he, he can still get a quote uh, by knowing what the Auto Nation. That's by the way, Lexus and Okeechobee Boulevard is owned by Auto Nation. And uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, right. I get it. I and, uh, and and then after you get a couple of bids on that, then you get the market value of your car, and then you make a judgment. You know, if you can, if your car's worth a few thousand dollars more than the repair, then you might go ahead and have the repair. If the repair oh, yeah. is a yeah, mess, I, much. I, I went on. I went on Auto Trade when I looked at his car is probably worth anywhere around twenty five grand. So you know, even if it, you know. It's this job could be anyway. Yeah. yeah, that's a huge so. amount of money. I looked at Josh when he said that because that's hard to believe a 20 year old car is worth 25,000, but mm. uh, yeah. car prices are sky high. You should have held on to your uh, SC4 uh, 400. You, you had one back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the, re- that's the retail number, not the wholesale. Though. Yeah, right. That's the retail number on Auto Trader, not the wholesale. I imagine the wholesale would be a little bit less. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, yeah, so okay, I just wanted to know. So, in other words, the, the repair is a little bit more. 
so that that $2,800 involved uh, more than just you know, changing out. Absolutely, Bob. You're a great friend. Looks like as if you dotted your I's and crossed your T's. And uh, we wish your friend luck. Give us a call again. Okay. Follow Thank up. Thank you very much. Have a great day, everybody. You Thank you. Bye-bye. You too. Uh, we're going to go to Jane. Thank you for your patience, Jane. And uh, Amy will be right with you. Good morning, Jane. Jane's calling from Hi. Coral Gables. Good morning. Good morning. Have we heard um, from I'm, you uh, before, uh, Jane? No, you haven't. Okay. No. Uh, Jane, you just won yourself as a new female caller $50. And if you uh, give your information to the gentleman in the control room, I can get that check out to you ASAP. How do you like okay, that? Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. What a nice way to start a Saturday morning. <laughs> Definitely. That'll be a big help. What can we do for you this morning? Well, nothing really, and I'm, I'm not calling about a repair or not a vigilante. Um, my husband, we've, we've purchased a, a RAV4 hybrid um, Toyota in, uh, in May, and we just drove to North Carolina and back, and we were getting 40 to 50 miles a gallon. The car drives great. Smooth, quiet, amazing, great, great car. I'm so. My husband was when he went to go buy it. There was, I think, there were two cars, and they what they told him there were three cars. When he got there, there were only two cars. This was a, a place in t- Tampa that he bought the car, and um, and he got. I, I when he called me, he said, "There's this one car. I kind of like it." I said, "Get it," because I knew what the guy just said. We have another friend who has a, a car on order because she likes our car so much. Uh, they said it's going to be eight months to a twelve, eight to twelve months before she's going to get this car. Yep. Great so, story. You don't have to wait. Through, they just ordered it through you. That's why we know about you. She just <laughs> might, these uh, friends of mine just were up up there. Thank you. Up at your place. Yeah, and so, eight to um, twelve months isn't long. Yeah. So I just wanted to really uh, just say this is such a great car, and I'm so glad my husband got this car. And just want to promote it that I think this is the way the country and the world should be going for hybrid. This all electric, uh, it's great, but we couldn't have gone to North Carolina like this with an electric car. So, um, you know, this was wonderful when the, the gas mileage was so, so great. And also, um, I'm supposed to ask do you have metal skid plates for the underbelly? Mm. No, we do not have those in stock. However, there's a lot of aftermarket companies making those. I'm assuming you're looking for uh, protection for the catalytic converters. Yes. Well, yep. This is my <clears> husband. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm a, it's an all-wheel drive vehicle, and I'm a hunter, and I do go off-road, not over, you know. Okay, gotcha. Roads, yeah. Um, I want to be able to. Pre- yeah, I, I would. I would. Let's see. I would start by looking for uh, local four by four groups around in your area. Uh, and see if there's any uh, local mechanic shops around there. We have places here in West Palm, like Truck and Trailer USA. Uh, they handle a lot, and a place like, called DV8. Uh, they do a lot of our uh, modification trucks. They'll put all the splash shields, the extra lighting, and things like that. So anyone that would have uh, underguard shielding like that, add-on stuff, uh, it'd be one like that. I would I would look for truck modification places. I, I, I've seen on the internet there are places that sell them for the gas mm-hmm. model Rav4, but I don't see that there anything specifically for the hybrid. 
Yeah, it's something you'd want to check with the, the manufacturer of those items uh, to make sure that they're going to match up for the hybrid system because the underside of the car is a bit different in the design. A great source would be rockauto.com, R-O-C-K, auto.com. They're the largest independent online um, supplier of yeah, auto parts. I, I have yeah. bought things from them before. Yeah, yep. yeah they probably have exactly what you're looking for. All right. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Well, thank you. I just mostly wanted to call in and tell you, um, and this friend of mine really, really likes your, your place. They drove from Coral Gables up to, to you, so that's, and, and they've ordered the, the, the same the RAV4 Prime. Oh, and yeah. It's going to take several months for them to get it. So yeah. I'm just so glad we have what we have, and I really think that this is the way the country, you know, that we should be going right now because it's 40 to 50 miles a gallon is great. Can't go wrong. So, and good for good for the environment. Absolutely. So. Well, call again, Jane. Jane. Thank you uh, very much. Thank you to you and your husband for calling in. And Jane, don't forget the control room. Jeremy is waiting for line. your information. Yes. Yes. We're going to go to Amy, who's calling from Tuscaloosa. Good Ooh. morning, Amy. From Hypoluxo. Oh, Hypoluxo. <laughs> yeah, and I really want to... You're calling from Hypoluxo? Yes. Okay. I want to speak to the mechanic because this is something I don't understand. I have a 1998 Chevy Blazer. It's an it's a LT hatchback, and the rear driver's side door didn't, doesn't open or won't open. Okay. So I ordered from carparts.com. I got a handle inside and out, went to have it put on, but the mechanic said because the door won't open, he would have to remove the seat. Hmm. Yeah. And because there's no way of getting at it. And I'm just perplexed as to why the door all of a sudden, out of the blue, on a 20-year-old car, decides it won't open. Ah, uh, 20 years of dirt, grit, grime, salt, and other things getting into the latch, and suddenly the door latch just basically, something must have corroded or broke in there, and the latch jammed up. So, unfortunately, it's it, it does happen. I mean, you know, with 20 years... Well, it won't open, it just won't, wouldn't open from the inside either, which is weird. Right, but it's we're talking the the latch assembly maybe jammed up. Yeah, that's the part of the you know when you open the door and you look there's a little like a, a U-shaped yeah. bar, a little square bar that comes from the body. The latch assembly is in the door and when you close the door, that latch assembly is meant to grab hold of the, on that bar system and it is designed to not open in the event of a crash or heavy collision. So I mean they're made very very durable. But unfortunately, over the years, uh, like I say, salt, dirt, things that get in there, you know, eventually, even the best parts can break over 24 well, years. So then I should be worried about my other doors? Uh, well, you might want to have, when the mechanic's got the car in there, might want to have them clean them up and add some lubrication. I, I, would think that I would think that the doors that you use regularly, like the front doors, <laughs> would be less inclined to stick, but the rear doors probably don't get that much use. And as Rick says, when something sits still for 
24 years in oh, South Florida. Oh, they got a lot of use. They, oh, the I weird, yeah. have my okay. seat down, and I, that's where my groceries went every day. In okay. And out. Mm-hmm. They used that door. And my question to him, even if we pulled the seat out and did everything, my big concern was, would that door ever lock again with my remote? Well, he... And if, or would the uh, power window go up and down? And he said he couldn't guarantee that. I, I, I can only give you the, the mechanics one last final rule, and that is I can fix any car if it takes every last dime the customer has as long as there's parts available. I mean, if, well, if, you, I if yeah, you're he, determined that yeah. you want to fix that car, then yes, Somewhere out there, somebody makes the parts, and we can generally find enough parts that we can repair any car. Amy, here's my advice. is At a cost, it would be able to be fixed. Yeah, right, it, it just be, could get expensive. Like Amy, six, here, yeah. here, here's the advice. Uh, get the estimate from the person you're talking to, the mechanic, and for every possibility. Uh, in other words, you, you asked some very good questions. You know, what about the, what about the window? What about the, uh, you know, not just the lock, but the window operation? Anything, anything that's going to affect uh, your use of that door, you should ask to get an estimate on. And remember, you talk- I got an estimate just to put in the latches and do that. It was going to be about $310 with the labor. Then I got to pulling out the seat, and that's yeah. a labor-intensive yeah job so we're, we're looking at six hundred dollars now it's six hundred plus for a 20 year old car doesn't seem a good thing in my well well it's yeah the the repair cost doesn't know how old your car is they just know what they have to do and they have so many hours and they have parts so uh six hundred or eight hundred dollars is not a lot of money to repair a car uh you have a 24 year old car and uh if you could get by with six or eight hundred dollars it would be a lot less expensive than to have to buy another car so uh you might want to get another estimate from another mechanic but four to six hundred eight hundred dollars is not a huge amount of money uh, to repair what you're talking about well his suggestion was taking it to a body shop well you could get a bid there i mean a body shop would be glad to give you a bid on that and uh once you have two or three bids okay listen thank Amy, you very much um, Co- i want to ask you a question back. before you go are you a first-time caller yes congratulations amy you won yourself fifty dollars this morning and if you stay on the line, you can give Jeremy in the control room your information, and I personally will get that check out to you. Thank you very much. And, and also, here, I have something to share with you. What? Three estimates, always. And right okay. now, in today's climate, it may be worth your while to hang on to your car. It just depends on your circumstances. Well, Thank you. Know, you. Financially speaking, I, I'm not in the financial bracket to be getting another car. Exactly. Then, so you, know, you can also to, go to Earl on Cars and you can read a, a column that he wrote, and that's yeah. all about hanging on to your old car. Well, and then all my friends say, well, why don't you lease? Well, I'm in a rental market, as, and you know the rental rates in Florida. My uh, tenant just raised my rent by 25%. That's a big hike. 
So, you know, I, if you lease, that's just like another renter that's added. No, it's something I don't want to have every month on top of me, my shoulders. Absolutely. I can sympathize with you, Amy. Amy, thank you so much for calling Earl Stewart on cars and give us a call again. Let us know well, the I've outcome. I've driven Toyotas, and I made a boo-boo by buying a Chevy Blazer, and that's my fault. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Good luck. You too. Okay, we are going to stick with the phones, and we are going to talk to John. John, I missed you oh. last week. Welcome back. Yeah, I had a tooth <laughs> extracted, so I was in bad shape to talk. But I just wanted today... I want to, Nancy will be very proud when I mention this. I want to acknowledge a female in the auto industry. Dad, uh, Earl probably knew her dad. She grew up with DNA in her blood. She owns 20 dealerships in Florida and in Georgia, and she's a president and controller of these dealerships. Her father was the first Honda dealer in the United States, I think it was in 1970. I'm sure Earl probably knew who her dad was, and her husband passed away uh, two years ago, September of 20, and his name was uh, Rick. And uh, she's over won many awards, including an Horatio Award, which 63 females qualified for, and she was the only one that was uh, awarded that. And what I want to say is also it goes beyond uh, the dealerships that she has. Her husband and her were the first Acura and Hyundai deal in the United States. So I just want to acknowledge her, the job that she does. She lives here in, I think, uh, Broward County. And I just, I know Earl would know probably her, not only her father, but her husband had passed away. And by the way, she also collects cars. They have the first Honda convertible that was ever delivered to the United States. The first regular Honda and a second body number two delivered here. But I just want to give a shout-out to this female, and I'm sure uh, Nancy Stewart. Oh, by the way, the most important thing about her, they formed a uh, philanthropic. They, they dedicate the money to the Boys and Girls Club. It's an exclusive show that's held in, Becca, in Boca Raton every year, and it draws a lot of money, but all the money is contributed to charity of the Boys and Girls Club. Oh. It's a tremendous show. That's held in poker every year. That's Rick Case uh, is the is is the husband, and uh, I uh, I do know of her, and she was a very important part of that partnership. She was uh, very active in the business. Uh, uh, there's a book out by uh, Rick Case, and I she probably co-authored it. Um, I I can't think of the title, but yeah, you're right. That's a a, a great story, and she's an amazing woman. Thank you so much, John. What a great story to share with us. I was reading uh, about Rick. She met her husband at one of the Hyundai, uh, yeah. Hyundai stands meetings. So yes. I think that's an interesting thing. Yes, to, uh, another interesting thing. And I, w- I was yeah. reading about Rick Case in the Automotive News, and that is a great story. Uh, there is room for, well, the female and uh in, in in many departments, it could be in service, it could be in accounting, it could, it could be in sales, anything at all, we're growing. Absolutely. Trained by her father, by the way. Oh, that's, a, that's an amazing story the right there. She was right by his side, and it's an interesting story. Well, John, 
thank you so much. Good luck with your recovery on your extracted tooth. Okay. And uh, stay, stay tuned for the uh, mystery shopping report from uh, Audie of Stewart. Yes, I look forward to it. Thank so, you. So that was Rita, Rita Case is, is the, the Rita. Rita Case. Great, oh. great call, John. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, I'll give you that telephone number again. You can give us a call or you can text us. And that's 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Uh, well, I see our lines are wide open. So we'll go to Josh or to Rick. Actually, I've got an interesting one. Uh, Negan One just brought this one up to me, and he wanted to get Earl's opinion on it. Uh, Jalopnik and several other sites are reporting a letter has come out from General Motors. Apparently, three models of their super hot cars, Uh the Corvette Z06, the Escalade V model, and the EV Hummer, uh, they are so popular with people for flipping these cars buying them then reselling for a huge markup that General Motors has sent out a letter stating that if a person buys and sells one of these three models within 12 months of the original purchase the warranty on the vehicle is null and void (laughs) no bumper to bumper no powertrain no sheet metal tires batteries anything except the uh, electric battery warranty on the EV Hummer and they said apparently they're trying to curb the flipping of these vehicles. Apparently they're they're angry. They're not getting a well, my piece com- of that market my comment money. Is I don't believe that because I think General Motors uh, would not legally be able to uh, penalize a third party who happened to buy a car from a dealer that flipped it. Uh, you can penalize a dealer. That's what they mm-hmm. should do. In fact, most of the manufacturers do penalize dealers if they. Uh, if 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 they buy a car and and then if it's report resold, sold yeah. and sell it again, so uh, but uh, you can't uh, you cannot penalize an innocent third party. They need to penalize a dealer or whoever's slipping the car. Hey, I I could read you the letter if you like. Well, you can read all you want, but I just yeah. I, I just, don't believe I don't believe that the legally it can apply. I think that's I, what I wondered. I well, think somebody is uh, is misinterpreting. There's a facts. This reminds me of uh, the Hyundai with their really long warranty they used to advertise. Mm-hmm. I, that was always just to the original owner, and then these you know this, the the their, every owner thereafter would have a, a shorter warranty. So there's some sort of precedent to. You know, conditional warranties based on, you know, right. ownership. I, they're talking about the whole warranty, I believe. So yeah, yeah and you know, that's, uh, that's far more extreme. I'd be surprised yeah. that uh, if, you know. Yeah, very they, extreme. The letter that they copied here on Jalopnik is from Steve Carlisle, and this letter apparently went out to the GM dealership team. Mm-hmm. And as I look at it here, the the one section says, uh, let's see. Certain warranties will not be transferable if the original owner resells the vehicle within one year of delivery. Well, that, again, that would go to Josh's comment yeah. about the extended powertrain warranty, but the basic new car warranty, when you buy a new car uh, without the other sub-warranties that go on, uh, there is no precedent there. I've never mm-hmm. heard of any manufacturer of anything saying, uh, if you buy this product, you have a 12-month warranty or a 36-month warranty, but if you sell it again within a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. the warranty disappears. And, and to your point, you're punishing some 
some poor person who's buying this car, right? And, and they're not getting that letter or or being especially on the this. idea that if you purchase a car, mm-hmm. a used vehicle that's less than a year old, you and you have not heard this story, you would assume that yes, it's, it's still going to have a, fa- a full factory warranty. Yeah. And if you're unaware of that, wow, caveat emptor on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a bad situation when you assume. Uh, thank you for that information, Rick. We're going to go back to the phones, and we have Alan, who's calling us from Lake City. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Earl on Cars. You guys all look well. I was watching you on YouTube. <laughs> well, thank you. How you doing there, boss? <laughs> doing well. How you doing, Alan? I'm, I am doing perfect. I'm sitting on my front porch. I watch the sunset. I'm smoking cigars, drinking coffee, just enjoying watching. Oh, uh, go ahead, rub it in. <laughs> Sounds hey, tough, look, man. It, speaking of the farm, I was mowing the other day. This is a question about uh, lithium batteries. I knocked a hybrid, I have the hybrid light batteries, or uh, flashlights. I knocked one off a horse stall railing, and I hit it with a mower. <laughs> it, it, it shattered, of course, and it, it threw pieces out in the middle of my yard, and it was like somebody threw a smoke bomb out there. Oh, yeah. I went out to pick it up. It burned like, it was burning like crazy, so... I tried to let it burn out. I was afraid to pour water on it because I don't know the science of the lithium and stuff. So I just thought I'd leave it be and go to my mowing. An hour later, I went to pick it up, and when I touched it, it was still, it burned my fingers. Yep. And uh, it started smoking all over again. Wow. So I then, I went on to YouTube, and I looked up uh, uh, lithium battery fires. And there's a bunch of people puncturing, like, RC remote control model batteries. And just the, the fires are just violent, and it's, it's like a chemical reaction fire. They're terrible. My question is, I've always kind of glossed over when I saw those little articles about random fires on uh, uh, electric cars, you know, Teslas and this and that. My question is, is it too soon for us to uh, be putting these uh, batteries in passenger cars uh, is should we be waiting for a new technology? Because lithium seems to me to be extremely dangerous. And now I'm starting to pay attention to these articles I see about the uh, spontaneous fires or fires after accidents. I'm just wondering what Earl thinks. I I, I kind of think I know because I know he likes he he has a Tesla. <laughs> but is it just too soon? Should we wait for a better technology? That's my question. I'll just listen. Yeah, just before the show started, uh, Rick Kearney was talking about uh, Tesla batteries and how far advanced they are. They're about two generations ahead of all the other manufacturers, and even Tesla is advancing the technology. So you're right. Lithium is yesterday's news, and they have uh, a technology now that we can't even dream about. I mean, we're going to have, you know, I'll just I'll go out on a limb and say that. Uh, by the time we have mostly electric cars, uh, the batteries will probably, instead of lasting three or four hundred miles, uh, I mean, a range of three or four hundred miles will be like a thousand or two thousand miles. I mean, it's it's just uh, amazing what can happen when science and engineering focuses on one thing. And right now, there's no more focusing on batteries, and uh, lithium is going to be just like a horse and buggy in 20 years. 
Yeah, and the lithium, it's such an ugly process to mine for it, and that's why we're importing it. Uh, we don't want to do the mining for it here. Uh, my last question, um, hydrogen. Ten years ago, it seemed like that was going to kind of be the direction that Toyota went. Mm-hmm. Did that just go away? Is there some reason they're not following up with the hydrogen, or are they following up and we just don't hear about it? Toyota is uh, is a huge company. They're a smart company. Uh, I, I would, I, I'll have to in full, you know, transparency. I am a Toyota dealer, but I think Toyota is the best manufacturer in the world. But they got off on the wrong tangent. They uh, they got off on the hydrogen tangent. Sometimes you hate to change your mind about something, and I think they stuck with hydrogen too long. They got behind in the all electric, and uh, but there'll always be a place for hydrogen. You know, the thing that I'm a I have a physics background, so I'm kind of a scientific-minded person. And the thing that amazes me about uh, the whole hydrogen thing is there's just a whole lot of hydrogen around. I mean, H2O. I mean, you got hydrogen. I mean, the ocean has got a whole lot of hydrogen. So I think somehow or other we will tap that hydrogen source. Hydrogen is what makes the sun go. So, I mean, the sun's doing real well with hydrogen. And I think think that uh, one way or another we'll use hydrogen in, in the future. I think yeah, that one would of the, be my hope. <laughs> You're a show-off. <laughs> <coughs> smarty pants. <laughs> That's what I call them, smarty pants. I, I think uh, the hydrogen might be uh, more in the commercial industry. I know they, like, they, they've used it for some uh, trucking applications. Like Toyota has some right. you know, big rigs that are fueled by hydrogen. I think one of, the, one of the biggest issues that hit hydrogen was the fact that California, and Southern California to be specific, is one of the few places that actually has a small infrastructure in place for hydrogen refueling stations. Mm-hmm. Nowhere else in the U.S. do you really have any amount of hydrogen refueling stations. Electric cars, however, even Teslas, can basically be plugged in on a 110 circuit, and it may take hours to charge it. But everywhere in the U.S. has electricity available. Yeah, it's So the infrastructure is there. Yeah that an electric car can be effectively used anywhere you live in the U.S. We're not talking about do we use hydrogen or electric. We're saying at some point in the future, there will be a place for hydrogen. Right. And, it's uh, just you've yeah. got to build that infrastructure. Yeah, exactly. It Absolutely. Doesn't, it, doesn't, the, it doesn't mean that hydrogen isn't necessarily a better technology. It, just, there is, it doesn't have a foothold no. in practical applications right now. So it may be far superior to electric <clears> vehicles, <throat> but if, if, if the infrastructure, like you said, is not in place, then uh, electric and hybrids will, will have the uh, advantage. Good call, Alan. Last, last, last. Oh, it ain't over yet. (laughs) Thanks so much, uh, Alan. He's still going. The the Toyota, I forget the name of it. There was a Toyota model. I think it started with an L. And that they were starting to introduce. I even took some classes on it. Did they ever retail any of those? I thought they were going to retail some in California. It's the Mirai you're referring to. They, it's, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it's it still exists. Um, like, you, but it's like Rick said, it's localized in California. We actually, we actually had one on our showroom floor, and it, for some reason, it just didn't move. Maybe, maybe the fact that the nearest hydrogen refueling station was 1,800 miles away. And we so. paid we paid way too much for the car <laughs> and lost a fortune when we sold it. So. Even car dealers make right, big, big mistakes. Thanks so much, Alan. It was great hearing from you. you. 
it, the show's great. It's good to hear from you guys, and uh, I'll stop by and see you one day when I'm down that way. Okay. Enjoy your mowing, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> Missy, buddy. Yep. Enjoy your coffee. You. We're going to go to Carl, who's been holding in Boynton. Actually, Carl is calling from Royal Palm Beach, I believe. Good morning, Carl. Good morning. Uh, it's nice to talk to you guys. been listening for a long time. Uh, a couple weeks ago, my daughter, Sarah, called in with some problems that she's having with her 2009 uh, RAV4, a four-cylinder. Yes. And, uh, and, and I wasn't able to contact her while the show, directly while the show was, was airing. But uh, she forgot to say that one of the problems that she was having, she forgot to say that it was happening uh, when she was, it really happens, I've been in the car when it happens, it's on an uphill, okay, when she's climbing. Pittsburgh has lots of hills. Hmm. And when she's climbing, and it's, I guess it's trying to downshift, perhaps, uh, there's sort of a sound. I, she said it wasn't a rattling sound, but I can't think of a better description uh, th- than a rattling sound going uphill at about 35 to 40 miles an hour. It happens for anywhere from a couple of seconds to maybe 10 seconds, uh, and then it eventually goes away. And I'm wondering whether you've had any issues. I mean, what have been the problems? with 2009 RAV4s. Other than that, I mean, she had an issue with a noise when it starts up, but other than that, you know, it's been a great car for her, and I sort of hate to see her, uh, she's getting a new car uh, soon, uh, and, uh, but, but I hate to see her just sort of uh, trade that in when it may have a whole lot of life left in it. Rick? Good point. Uh, the way you're describing it, it sounds like when it's going into a high torque situation, it's downshifting in order to get um, increased torque to get up the hill. I would suspect either something in the differential or in the one of the axles maybe is making that noise. But if it's only happening just uphill and just for a few seconds at times like that, um, I wouldn't get too awfully concerned on it. Without actually hearing it myself, I mean, it could be right. as simple as a heat shield, one of the aluminum heat shields that just picks that moment to get the right harmonic vibration. Is it something that could be covered in the powertrain warranty? Not on an 09. I mean, you're, you're talking a car that's 13 years old oh, already. Nine, so, nine, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah now, what, what, what about the torque converter? I mean, we've sort of seen a couple people complaining on the Internet about torque converter issues. Could that be it? And... If so, I mean, you know, like, what's the most expensive repair for something like that? The torque converter would probably be one of the most expensive repairs, except for the differential, which is part of the transaxle itself. Uh, okay. However, the torque converter usually, if there was a problem with it, is you'd be getting a shudder that you would actually feel in the car. It'd be a vibration that you literally would feel throughout the car, it's like, brrr, like but it would jolt. it would literally vibrate the car if it's if well, it's more I, of a I noise than I mean, a. I, I think it does. I'll, I'll ask her again, but I think it does. I I mean, I seem to remember, you know, you notice it. I mean, it's not just a slight noise. It's not super loud either, but it's uh, there's definitely a vibration. Definitely. Yeah. A vibration. Okay. And, and- uh, torque converter is possibility. Uh, that's certainly one of the possibilities. 
Uh, but it definitely sounds like something in the drive line there. Yeah. And Carl, uh, uh, to wrap this up, uh, I do uh, remember Sarah. And uh, I think at that time I suggested to her uh, to, if she possibly could, take her phone and record that noise. That is uh, very, very helpful. And hanging on to her, her older car, like you said, she may have a yeah. whole lot of miles left on that car. Also, Carl, here's the good news. Sarah failed to give me her information when she called. She needed to give it to Jeremy in the control room because she won herself $50. So, I'll you know, she, she mentioned she mentioned that she nobody ever asked her, so how was she ever going to get the $50? But she didn't call in for the $50. Absolutely not. Nobody does. We're just building a platform here, and I just right. want to recognize Sarah. She's helping to build that platform here for the lady callers. That's fine. Thank you so much, Carl. She doesn't need the $50. Thank you. Hey, hey, Carl, if if you give us your address to to Jeremy in the Control Center, we can get that check out to you and you can pass it along to her. Or tell her how much you you enjoyed taking your wife out to to dinner on it. (laughs) If you really want to, put put me on hold and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll get you the information. Thank you so much, Carl. Have a great weekend and give us a call again. Our phone number here is 877-960-9960. You can text us at 772-497-6530. The uh, lines are open, and we'll give it to Josh. Yeah, I have uh, Anne-Marie's... Ah, Anne-Marie, good morning. Her kickoff text is coming in late because we've just had too many callers. (laughs) Um, And and Anne-Marie always puts so much thought and care into these texts. It'd be a shame. Doesn't she? It's a shame that it took so long to get to. So she says, good morning. And and we have another Jalopnik uh, scoop here. (laughs) Uh, Jalopnik reports that the IIHS, the Insurance Institute of Health uh, Highway Safety, has changed their side impact testing program to more accurately reflect real-life forces in side impact crashes. The striking barrier is uh, in the test um, now weighs more, hits faster, and is designed to more accurately simulate an impact from an SUV. Makes sense because there's far Mm. more SUVs on the road now than ever before. Uh, These factors, along with the barrier's SUV height, means that a lot of mid-sized cars are now failing this test. Uh, the Subaru Outback, with its wagon silhouette and lifted ride height, received the only good rating. Um, those two factors seem to be why the vehicle is safer with side impacts. The uh, Hyundai Sonata, the Jetta got acceptable, the Honda Accord rated marginal, and wait for it, the Camry, Altima, Malibu ranked poor due to their size. Mm. The vehicles sitting low to the ground don't test as well because the striking barrier hits higher up. The test was, was like she said, was designed to reflect the cars on the road. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, she says, I drive a Camry. Often I'll be at a stoplight and a truck or SUV will pull up beside me and they'll be so tall, I feel like I'm driving a low-slung European sports car as I yeah. stare at their hubcaps. Yeah. Do you think Toyota will ever raise the height of the Camry? Thanks. And uh, what a great, thoughtful mm. question. I remember yeah. a long time ago, uh, mm. um, it, it's great that the safety uh, organizations uh, you know, continually raise the bar for their testings. Um, I remember a long time ago there was a front offset to represent like a corner front impact and all of a sudden all these cars that had uh, uh, great ratings before including the Camry all had failing grades and that's what made Toyota redesign the Camry in the middle of 2014 remember we had a 2014 and a half Camry wow Um, so uh, yeah I mean what do you you think about them raising the height of the Camry well either that or lower the height of everything else (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly uh, good point yeah uh, that that is uh, uh, again Anne Murray's amazing because we all 
feel that way. There's nothing more dangerous than being on the road with a vehicle in front of you that blocks out the sky. In other words, you can't see over him, you can't see the right of him or the left of him, and you might it's like having a partial blindfold on. So there are no regulations as far as I know about that. If you buy a short car and you're behind a tall car, you're in trouble. And it's dangerous. So it's there's legislation, there needs to be some control on that. I think though there the we're also limited by like because a lot of people like the Camry and cars like it because it's easy to step into you know if they have mobility issues and things like that so I mean, I'm sure they could improve the safety of it without raising it too much. I don't know if it'll be. Uh, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I truly do. And uh, I got to bring to the audience uh, attention that uh, Consumer Report is uh, constantly giving the attention to uh, vehicles uh, that are being tested, and uh, one in point is the uh, seatbelt and uh, the female and these dummies that they were using are male so they're addressing that issue too so there's several safety factors Mm -hmm. and there's several changes that should be made in the future yeah uh, who's driving cars and the kind of cars on the road has changed so much so the way we gauge their safety needs to change with it absolutely with more vehicles uh, on the road it is definitely an important topic do you have... Yeah, uh, I can keep going. I have another okay. one right here. Our lines are open. Uh, this uh, texter asks, is there any significant mechanical and functional difference between the new Corolla hybrid and a regular Prius hybrid? Um, I can answer in, from uh, my, my layman's perspective. Rick might jump in with a little more technical um, uh, you know, differential. But there's really, in my, uh, from my view, there's really no uh, difference between the hybrid technology. The hybrid drivetrain is very similar. Um, obviously, the uh, the Corolla is a little bit of a different body style, so I don't know if that's a mechanical difference. I do know that it has a little bit of a bigger gas tank, um, and so it has a little bit of a better range. But other than that, I would say they're basically the same type of hybrid technology. Is that correct? Exactly. As a matter of fact, I think one of the things that Toyota did when they first brought the Prius out, they made such a odd body design to it <laughs> to make it stand out. Especially that first one. Because that, 2004 the second gen of Prius because the first generation just looked like a little four-door sedan. Mm -hmm. So they did this wild design. Everybody either loved it or hated it. And now we've reached the point that hybrids are across the board. Every manufacturer has hybrids out of everywhere. So making a distinctive looking vehicle that's a hybrid doesn't really benefit. However, taking a, a vehicle like the Corolla that has a design inside easier to sit in, nicer car, a little more trunk space, a little more space inside. Make it a hybrid, best of all the worlds. Yeah, and you're not, they get basically the exact mileage. So, uh, yeah. you know, it all depends on what kind of body style you like better. Mm-hmm. There you go, great A lot great of text. choices. Uh, before Josh gets to the uh, next uh, text, I want to remind everyone that you can give us a call at 877-960-9960. And of course, the text number is... Don't forget youranonymousfeedback.com. Now back to Josh. Speaking of anonymous feedback, uh, this is one that we didn't have time to get to last week. Um, And it it speaks to a point that was brought up earlier on the show. Um, He says, I, or she says, uh, I work in the computer industry and I can assure you that the chip shortage is over and done. The chip plants that were closed in 2020 were mostly reopened in quarter three of 2021. It took about six months to get them fully running again. 
the automakers and the dealers have found a new norm for making profit by limiting production and inventory. I know this has been something that's brought up before. Um, <coughs> do you think is is there going to be an, some sort of unspoken agreement moving forward that they're not going to flood the dealers with cars and they're going to limit production? I, I think if they want to go to jail, they can do that. But <laughs> uh, I, 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 I disagree with the opinion. Uh, I think that uh, I think that first of all, the cars that are being built today require more microchips than ever before. I mean, the microchip capacity is was playing catch up before the COVID uh, pandemic, mm -hmm. and so now with the highly sophisticated technical uh, cars we have, the more the more computerization you have in a car, the more microchips, and. You also have the same phenomena occurring with all products. It's not your toaster, your television set, your smartphone. Mm -hmm. Everything takes microchips. Yeah. So the demand for microchips is huge, and the automotive is only a piece of that. So we're all getting, you know, all automotive are having a shortage. The shortage is diminishing, uh, and there's also uh, situations where you have. Um, the, the manufacturers overordered, and they uh, they they created shortage themselves. Uh, it, it's 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 chaotic right now. But there's no conspiracy. I mean, I I honestly don't think there. Certainly between the car dealers and the manufacturers, uh, uh, you know, the the car the, there's an adversarial relationship between the manufacturers and the car dealer. Take it from a car dealer, and. Uh, <laughs> And the manufacturers. So, uh, I think that there is some truth to what you're saying in the fact that when the smoke does clear and things calm down and supply does catch up, I think you're going to find the manufacturers will realize that they were stupid before by overproducing, and the dealers know they were stupid because when the manufacturers overproduce, they jam the cars down the throats of the dealers. And they said, look, you're my dealer for Cadillac. You're going to take an extra 100 Cadillacs next month or else. And so there was that mentality. I think that's going to be gone. And I think you'll see a smoother supply and demand situation. Uh, but remember, you have supply, you have demand, and you have price. So one way to equalize supply and demand is to, <laughs> is to manipulate the price. You can raise the price, you can lower the price, and that affects supply and demand. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a complicated thing, but the car dealers, almost all car dealers were losing money in their new car departments. That's ridiculous. That can continue, shouldn't continue. And again, I'm a car dealer. We didn't like that. So now car dealers are making too much money in the, in the new car department. Uh, so the answer will be somewhere between losing money and making too much money. It'll be the new norm. Great, great answer there. I wonder, is there a benefit to the consumer um, in that their car doesn't depreciate as fast anymore? I guess if, it depends on how they bought the car. If they yeah. paid way over sticker, it will depreciate um, yeah. traditionally. But if you get a good price on a new car nowadays, yeah. it's not depreciating like it used to. In the old days, you drive off the lot, it'd lose $4,000. Nowadays, it just, it yeah, just well, kind of well, like hovers there. <laughs> you think about it, you go back 50 years yeah. when I was in the business, when I started the business, and uh, uh, you had a one-year warranty. Uh, the cars were a bunch of crap. I mean, they just, uh, you know, they by today's standards, they were really junky, and they'd break. Mm -hmm. And once you drove a car for two or three years, uh, you better get rid of it because it's going to fall apart. And uh, 
the, the lenders, Unless you're Rick and then you can the fix lenders it forever. Want, <laughs> the lenders didn't want to finance a car with over 60,000 miles on it. And today, the cars are extremely good by comparison to 25, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And they're getting better and better. So, yeah, you buy a car and it lasts longer, it's a higher quality, you keep it longer, and therefore Absolutely. you don't sell as many cars. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that, you, you wrote the column on that, uh, just hang on to that uh, old car. And I opened the show this morning, uh, or we opened the show this morning, uh, speaking of how long uh, a vehicle will last and maintenance and uh, all the above. Things certainly have changed as far as that is concerned. And I asked the question, and this was from Consumer Report, which car has lowest maintenance and repair a week, uh, a year? You'll never, you'll never guess. Here's a hint. Yeah. You'll never guess. It, <laughs> of all the cars that you think would not uh, be cheap to maintain repair over five or ten years, this car happens to be, according to Consumer Reports, and yeah. I believe them, it, it, uh, the a, lowest cost. It's a, it's a great question, ladies and gentlemen. I'd, we'd love to hear from you. And also, you can answer a question if it stirs your interest. Which one costs the most? I think that's pretty important. Okay, um, excuse me, Josh. We're going to go back to the phones All where right. we have our regular caller, Roadrunner Steve. <laughs> meep, meep. Good morning, everybody. Good, Good morning. morning. Okay, I just heard they're going to have a Tesla in the Daytona 500 next year. Look they're up. allowed to come in for fire changes, Look up. but they're only allowed to come in once for a charge, and that's it. <laughs> Is it a quick charge? Yes. Will it be autonomous? That's a good question. Miles. I love that. That is hysterical. Okay. Here's the, here's the other thing. We all heard the song, 409, My Little Deuce, Coat, oh, Little GTO. Yeah. They even made a song about the Nash Rambler called oh. Beep Beep. Yeah, Beep Beep. Beep Beep. Beep Beep. Beep Beep. Where's the Tesla hot rod song? <laughs> That's a good question. You got to write it. Yeah, you're right. right. We're, we're working on it, Steve. Down to the track. I forgot my extension cord. I had to tow it back. <laughs> uh, you're right. <laughs> I should be you need to take your this. show on the road. <laughs> yeah. I got one. What? Lightning yeah. is striking again. Yeah, Lou Christie. <laughs> Tumbleweeds, Rick. Tumbleweeds. Somebody gag. <laughs> yeah, you got to put a lightning rod on top of the car. Look at. But um, I, we need like a rim shot uh, sound effect there. Say, it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! <laughs> <laughs> it's like Henny Youngman just called the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, everybody have a good and safe day. Thank you. Thanks for the call. You always Thank liven you. things yeah. up. I'll tell you, you uh, we love your energy. We love it. You're quite entertaining. <laughs> uh, we are going to yeah. go. Bye-bye. <laughs> We're going to go. We're going to go back to Josh. Yeah. And now, uh, now the show is going to seem very boring as I read this scintillating anonymous feedback. Now, this is a, this is a good question. Are, are dash cameras provided as standard equipment on any new cars? It seems like with a uh, few drivers obeying traffic laws and road rage, it might be a good idea to have one installed. 
I think they're great. I don't have one, but I think they're standard on your Tesla, right? Yeah, yeah, that, it's really cool. On the, on the Tesla, you have not only a dash cam, you have a 360 degree view, and uh, it's, it's it's really uh, incredible. Yeah, I, I'm pretty nice. sure uh, several manufacturers have models with uh, dash cams. I don't think Toyota has one yet, but it's uh, it, I, I won't be surprised if that's a standard or at least a available option, you know, within a year. Or two. I I actually haven't seen one. I didn't know Tesla had one as standard, but. Uh, I have not seen them as standard options, yeah. but I can tell you that my vehicle and my wife's vehicle both have dual dash cams recording out front and out through the back of the car. Well, think about this, where <laughs> autonomous cars are, are moving along, right? and the, it isn't going to be t- uh, tomorrow afternoon we'll have autonomous cars. <clears throat> They're becoming more and more autonomous every day. So what's more important than having the cameras? Uh, that you would see, Nothing. And, and and you add that to laser and sonar and and visual. So and all you got to do is add it, yeah. put a, put a video right to a recording source. In, in yeah. terms of uh, determining fault and accidents and things like that, there's yeah. so many Absolutely. applications. Yeah, the Tesla amazing. The Josh uh, to your uh, <laughs> sharing with us about the dash cam. Josh, does your dad and I really need that dash cam in our <laughs> Tesla? I mean, here we are, two crazies are on the road, oh. and we are going to achieve autonomy sooner or later you're the safest drivers in palm beach county right now you're in a contest and part of it by by the way the cameras are also inside it's it's just amazing the cameras also see your eyeballs and they know where your eyes are looking so if you're a privacy freak you might not want to be driving one of these cars but uh part of the autonomy is going to be uh if you take your eye right now to drive a, a car that is uh, fully autonomous, you have to be there because it's illegal. Yeah. You have to be in the front seat with your hands poised on the wheel. And it knows if you're looking it, away. It knows if easy. you're looking away. That's yeah. so they, creepy. They, they have something <laughs> called a phantom braking. They have all this terminology, and they are on you. It's just an amazing phenomenon when uh, you reach autonomy. Without the autonomy, it's recording everything that I say. Yikes. Big brother is watching. <laughs> there you go. You oh. mentioned that last week, and I read about that uh, very subject. Uh, we are going to go back to the phones where we have Marty holding from West Palm Beach, and John, I will get right to you after we speak to Marty. Good morning, Marty. Good morning. How are you? Good. Uh, I have to disagree with Earl on something. Uh-oh. I'm not supposed to disagree with Earl because he obviously, as a car dealer, knows more than me. But maybe Earl can answer this question. If it takes eight months to a year to order a car, what year does he think there's going to be enough cars in a lot that you can buy a car the old way, where you come in, make your deal, and drive the car out the same day? I don't think that's ever going to happen again. I think that, uh, I hope it doesn't happen. Uh, the way cars should be sold, in my opinion, you should have an inventory uh, of enough vehicles so that you could try out the vehicle you want to drive, obviously. But uh, for a dealer to have a thousand cars on the lot, or you know, in my case, with our dealership, uh, it wasn't unusual for it to was have, what, 500 cars? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just crazy to have that many cars. And then even if you have 500 cars, you don't have the exact car that people want. You have to go to other dealerships, and typically a dealer will get 60% or 40% or 30%, some big percentage of cars from other dealers. So it's cumbersome. It's uh, expensive to do. Um, 
the the car dealership of the future, as I say, will have uh, representative vehicles to test drive, and then you'll be able to order a car that will be in in a matter of days or weeks. I mean, once once they automate the manufacturers to build to uh, design a, a request, uh, you have the the best possible of all worlds. But uh, you're never going to see it, having. A zillion cars in stock and walk into a dealership and have them give you that car and take it home or spot deliver it and and push you into the car, those days are going to be gone because the consumers won't stand for it. Yeah, well, I, I feel that it's gone. And I went over to uh, Southern 441 and I asked him, I said, do you have any hybrid that I could just drive because I ordered a hybrid from mm-hmm. you? And they said, no, we don't have any. But they said, oh, we could order it. I said, well, yeah, I know you could order it. The guy said, we only charge $3,500 over sticker. I said, oh, that's, that's not that's good. <laughs> but I said, uh, I ordered it from Earl Stewart. So this guy, who's a salesman, I forgot his name, and I don't want to get him into trouble. He said, no, Earl Stewart, he, he charges over sticker. I said, look. I said, he doesn't. And even ordering stickers is too much more than I want to pay. <laughs> I, said, I said, that's all his markup is up to sticker. And I said on his radio show, he says how much car dealers are making. And uh, it's obscene to me. And that's why I personally feel they're never going to go back. And like I said, they're never going to go back to the old way. Well, if they had their way, they might not, but the car dealers don't make the rules. And uh, the consumer is getting more and more powerful every day. And uh, they're, they're, you know, we're, we're in, this is an enlightened <coughs> era we're going in in 2022. And I, I think people are going to be shocked at uh, what consumerism does in the next uh, few years. It's just consumer will be king, and the consumer will uh, make the rules, and the companies will follow or they'll go broke. But the way cars have been sold for the past 100 years, uh, that's – that's a dying uh, uh, trade or whatever you want to call it. But uh, consumers are too smart today to put up with it. Yeah. Now, Jason called me uh, and said my car that I ordered in March might be in in September. So I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting to see. Yeah, that's uh, a shame, isn't it? It, it takes so long for these cars, and, and we never know for sure. It's, I, we feel bad as dealers when people ask us, okay, if I order this particular model, when will it be here? The, tr- the truthful answer is we don't know. Yeah. And uh, th- a lot of people don't understand. If you order a car, the manufacturer does not build the car you order. The manufacturers build cars that they think you may order, and and they build cars they, th- they think that the majority of people will order. And if you order something that is too oddball, if you order a, a purple car with a stick shift and uh, no air conditioning, you're never going to get the car because nobody else wants to buy one. So you have to kind of think about that. If you're in a hurry for a car, order something that is fairly commonplace, not too oddball if you want it in a short period of time. Now, I ordered the Camry XLE with everything on it, and I ordered it as a hybrid. Yeah, that's, that makes it sort of an oddball, unfortunately. That's, it's the, right. uh, you know, but 
it's one of those things. You, you want to get the car you want to get. So if you have a good transportation in the meantime, then I say you, you wait for what you yeah, want. It all works yeah. out. I ha- Marty, yeah, uh, I want to add that uh, congratulations on uh, coming out of that dealership unscathed after <laughs> spreading the word about uh, Earl Stewart on cars. <laughs> yeah, the guy didn't like it, but I uh, uh, Did I they chase you out of there? <laughs> Well, they didn't chase me out, but the guy said, do you want to order a car? I said, if I have to pay $3,500 over sticker, you're never going to see me. There you go. So, I, so I, I like you, Marty. But Your uh, voice give, must be heard. <laughs> I, give, I bought enough cars. So Absolutely. I, know, I mean, I don't mind. I know everybody's got to make a profit. Yeah. You know, Within reason. A little more. Yeah. Marty, it was great hearing from you. Give us a call again. Okay, have a, have a great day, weekend. We're going to go to John, uh, calling from West Palm Beach. Thank you for your patience, John and Kyle. Please hold on. Good morning, John. Hello. Hey, good morning. Um, my question happens to uh, coincide with what we're talking about, but a little bit different angle. We're in the market for a certain car. We have a friend that has a used car dealership. He goes to auction. He tells us, give us the parameters of what you want. Because on Wednesday, because Thursday, he'll start searching for the car. He says, and I said, well, we're looking at 10000 to spend. He goes, all right, well, you're going to be looking at a car for about eight to 8500 I said, why is that? He says, well, we've got our dealer's fee that has to be paid and all the taxes, plus the, the, well, the titling and all that. And I'm thinking, I, okay. And so I, I didn't send him any parameters because I just didn't want to go that route. I don't think there's a dealer fee for, you know, him getting a car from auction. Then my question came to you, or my question to you is, do you fill up your used car lot from the auction? And if so, could I give – I hope your guys are piping this into your uh, showroom in that because I want to give a shout-out to you, which is we've dealt with before. A great guy in the used car. But could I order a used car from the auction from you guys? Sure. If I told you what I'm looking for? Sure. Yeah. uh, The prices are high. I mean, we buy cars at auction, and uh, we pay a lot of money for them. Sometimes, uh, if you listen to the show uh, past months, uh, we've actually seen new cars selling at auction for more than MSRP. Uh, Car dealers are actually taking new cars they get from the manufacturer to the used car auction and selling them at the auction for thousands of dollars more than they pay the manufacturer even over MSRP. So uh, the the market market is topsy-turvy now. But yeah, you want to buy a used car, you can go to a dealer if he'll work with you. We would. Uh, A lot of dealers will. And they'll say, we'll find this car for you. We'll buy it. We'll mark it up and make a profit and sell it to you. And uh, I think what your friend did with the used car lot, he wasn't, he, when you, you said dealer fee, he probably was referring to an auction fee because they, the auction does charge uh, the buyers there um, to, to make a purchase. So, you know, there's a two, three, or $400 auction fee that he might have been referring to. No, his, it was $400 for the auction fee. Okay. I forgot to mention it. His dealer fee is nine ninety five. Oh, your buddy's yeah. going to charge you a dealer fee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. He's not that good a friend, is he? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> My mistake. Hey, that's, that's, that's why I'm going to give you his, his uh, used car. And we, I, now, I can't do a secret shopper on him because he knows me. <laughs> yeah. No, t- uh, Hugh can talk to, to his manager and you give him what you're looking for, and we'll do our best to find it for you. 
manager. I mean, he's the, he's the owner. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about your. Uh, your uh, <laughs> never mind, I got confused. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's it. All right. So it was great hearing from you. Can, mm-hmm. Do you All have right. any other See questions? No, that's it. I give someone else a chance. I don't like to run on. Well, th- well, thank you for sharing all that with us. We surely appreciate it. Have a wonderful weekend. We're going to go to Cal, who's been holding. Good morning, Cal. Hey, good morning, guys. When you have uh, friends like that, who needs enemies? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I just wanted to say that I was. I really like to hear the um, the Brayman Honda shop you did the other week. Um, uh-huh. I stopped there about a month ago, and I was actually going to suggest that you shop them, but then you guys did it uh, just weeks after I visited, and it, everything you found out was, you know, the stuff I saw. I went, I just went to test drive a, the new Honda HRV, and um, they, you know, it was six thousand over MSRP after all the fees and markup and you know, crappy accessories and everything, and and it was just. Yeah, unbelievable. They the salesman was really nice, but that was the only good thing thing about it. Um, they uh, just what you saw too about the destination fee. They tried to say in the email that yeah. it was an extra nine ninety five for destination, <laughs> and I said to him, I was like, "Well, destination on the HRV is twelve hundred dollars." I'm like, "Is this an additional fee?" And then he said, "Oh, well, I think I made a mistake. I'm not sure." And double um, dipping. It was yeah, yeah, <laughs> double. Di- and then. Then I ended up talking to the sales manager on the phone for like 15, 20 minutes and saying, he was telling me how they have the lowest markups at any Honda dealer. And I said, well, do you know there's dealers that don't charge over MSRP? And I brought up you guys, of course. And I, I asked him, I said, well, what do you guys say when people bring up Earl Stewart at your dealer? And he said that, oh, well, we just have a meeting about that this morning. <laughs> and he said that, he said that what Earl Stewart does is, they're taking customers off the market by ordering them a car and uh. then they stop shopping around. And then when the car comes in, they charge a bunch of fees. And I said, I said, no, they don't do that. I said, I bought cars from them before. They don't do that. And just, you know, I, I know he probably feels bad because his manager or his boss is, is telling him what to say. And, but yeah. I would just sure. never, ever buy a car from Brayman. Yes, that definitely. Is, well, that's you good know. information. I'm, uh, we always like to know what they're saying about us. So uh, We love it. We love it. <laughs> and, class. you know, Brayman just proves what a treacherous seller's market it is. And uh, it's great hearing from you. And it, we're it, it, what we're doing is working. <laughs> and uh, do you mind if I ask another question uh, for Rick? Yeah. Certainly. Go ahead. Um, it was it was about transmission fluid. I have a 2020 uh, Corolla, and um, I've asked you before on the on the um, YouTube about the lifetime fluid, and I know you suggest uh, not to do it because that's what Toyota suggests. But I've just heard so many other opinions on YouTube and mechanics, and um, I'm just so torn about Toyota's lifetime transmission fluid because I I drive for work, so I already have 150,000 miles on it, and wow. I want to get at least three three or four hundred thousand. Can can one fluid actually last? You know, four hundred thousand miles. It's well, my personal opinion, my twenty thirteen Tacoma has one hundred and fifty four thousand miles on it, and I have changed that fluid. And now, bear in mind, I have used my truck for towing quite a few times. Uh, you know, and towing puts a lot of stress on the transmission and on the fluid. And I have yep. changed that fluid exactly zero times. Uh, Toyota says in their books, WS fluid 
is good for the life of the vehicle. You don't need to change it. And I trust that. And I've seen Toyotas with hundreds of thousands of miles on WS Fluid that has never been changed, and it just keeps on going. Hmm. Uh, okay. Is there anything with Toyota that if they did have a transmission problem and they suggested that, that they would actually, like, back it up? With Great like question. Covering some <laughs> kind of repair? Other than their normal warranty for five years, 60000 they really don't. Um, but, you know, I mean, your case, your yours is a, a bit of a special case. 150,000 miles on a two-year-old, well, almost a three-year-old car, that's that's a lot of miles. But yeah. bear in mind that that's generally going to be like highway miles probably, which are some of the easiest on the transmission. You're not putting a big yeah. strain on it. You're not towing. You're going at easy rates. You're probably, I'm going to guess, an easygoing driver that doesn't do a lot of hard acceleration and hard stops, which, you know, that's the way you take care of a car. And gentle driving, it, the, the thing might last a half million miles or more for you. Yeah, the um, I actually just got my brakes done for the first time, uh, the brake pad. You guys did them. And, uh, yeah, mm. Steve in, in, the, uh, in maintenance is very nice. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I think you're in good shape. Goldberg, yeah. I yep. love how Rick, Rick can uh, tell that you're a, a gentle driver just by the sound of your voice. That's a, quite a talent, Rick. <laughs> well, and, and Definitely. The, the amount of miles that he drives the car are going to be highway miles. And if he's driving that many miles, he's probably someone who takes good care of his car. You're like uh, Sherlock Holmes over there. <laughs> As a mechanic, I have to be. <laughs> Dr. House. I yeah, love definitely. It. There's, uh, there's one other thing, guys. Uh, I was the one that, that said I'm from Hershey, Pennsylvania, and said that those dealers up there are really, really good. Um, there's not actually any dealers in the town of Hershey, but, you know, they're 10 or 15 minutes down the road in Harrisburg and Mechanicsburg. So the Faulkner mm-hmm. group of dealers and Bobby Rahal, they're all MSRP and, and not, nothing above, you know. Great. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's, who I de- that's who I dealt with when I lived up there. So Yeah. I recall you sharing that information with us before. It's a great story. Yep. We're glad that they're doing some uh, good work in Hershey. Okay. Well, yes. have a good day, guys. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank and they have you those for the cool, call. Uh, the street lights with the Hershey Kisses on them. There oh, you I, go. I love Hershey. I got through there one time. Beautiful place. We're going to go to, uh, that's true, Rick. We're going to go to Charles. And uh, from what I see here on the screen, he's from North Palm Beach. Well, residing in North Palm Beach, and he's from Connecticut. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Charles. Uh, I have a general question. Um, I have babied my 2009 XC70 Volvo. And it's got about 68,000 miles on it, and I'd like to keep it and possibly pass it on to one of my sons. The question I've got is, um, I'm thinking about, just uh, as a preventive maintenance issue, replacing the hoses and belts on that car. I mean, it's 13 years old. And I'm wondering, Rick, uh, one approximate cost, is this a good idea? And do you have any other ideas? Your point about the timing belt got me thinking about all of this so that's my general question as for the cost of it i really couldn't speak to that because i ju- i don't even know how many hoses or belts the xc might have however 13 years old i think it wouldn't be a bad idea as a preventative maintenance to go ahead and get them done uh what i would do is i would check around to find a good qualified uh outside mechanic and an aftermarket mechanic who is trained in Volvo. Um, there is a place on Palm Beach Lakes Boulevard called Prestige Auto. 
I see them doing a lot of work with European cars. And one thing I've noticed is, or I beg your pardon, it's on uh, US 1, just north of Palm Beach Lakes Boulevard. And anytime I drive past there, their yard is full. And I mean, they are hundreds of cars, it seems like. Of course, anytime after hours, they get them all packed away inside the shop. But Prestige Motors. Prestige Auto Repair. Prestige Auto Repair. Yeah, I, I think pretty certain that's the name of it. And there's got to be a reason why they have that many people bringing their cars there. I uh, just, I would, I would say it's a good place to check. Uh, get a couple of estimates. You know, stop at a couple places, and maybe even go online to the Volvo forums and find you know local Volvo owners. And ask them who they use for mechanics and check them out for estimates on what they would charge you to replace those hoses and belts. But generally, I think it's a good idea that uh, just as a preventive maintenance thing. And you have any other things that you'd also throw in the mix? Just a general inspection. Uh, check the tires, the age of the tires. Look for any damage or wear conditions. Uh, checking the brakes and... Other than that, just a, a good inspection by a qualified mechanic. Charles, you sound like a guy that takes care of his car. My guess is you probably had all the factory-recommended maintenance done. So when you do that, you've got yourself a real diamond. And uh, uh, is a good car, and I think uh, you know have one check it over. But as long as you've done the owner the factory-recommended maintenance, the car is probably going to be fine. And the hoses, obviously, as we talked about, should be replaced. Okay, thank you very, very much. Oh, thank you're you, welcome, Josh. Charles. Thanks for the phone call. Okay, uh, we are going to go back to Josh. All right, here's an anonymous feedback. Um, this sounds like a question that might uh, tickle some of your uh, ideas, Dad. Many years ago, a Chevy dealer offered cars that had weird color combos, like green paint and a red interior. <laughs> These were cars that were ordered, and when customers saw them, they refused to take delivery. I know a guy who ordered a Buick without air conditioning. So of these ordered cars, some must be made special, at least at that time, as opposed to taking the next allocation of that color combination. Am I right? So I, I guess he's asking if, if there's a, some oddball car sitting on a lot, was that a ordered vehicle that a customer requested you know, specifically? Probably not as many as there used to be. I, I mean, that does uh, pique my memory from the years back when I was evil. And uh, snapped a thing I reminded myself of. I used to order, when I had a Pontiac dealership, I used to order stick shift Grand Prix with no air conditioning <laughs> and no tinted glass. And uh, it's, a, it's a funny story because uh, the idea was to have it in. I still remember the price, fifty-five fifty-five was the price, $5,555. And... Uh, the idea is they would come in, they wouldn't want to buy the stick ship with no air, and I would switch them to another car and make a lot more money on it. The problem is uh, there were some people out there that just really wanted to buy those cars, <laughs> and every time I ordered one, someone came in and bought it. It drove me crazy because I'm selling a car, and I was selling it for probably what it cost me because I tried to keep the price down. So, uh, But yes, uh, back in the day uh, when it was really nasty, like when I was selling cars back in, in the 60s and 70s, uh, some of the stuff really went on. Today, I don't think you see it that much. I don't think car dealers have got too many more sophisticated tricks. That was a basic trick, which uh, is uh, really kind of a stupid way to do it. But mm -hmm. Great story. <laughs> Eventually, all, ca all cars will, will sell. There's a, 
a saying, uh, there's a butt for every seat. So, yes. <laughs> so even those weird cars will, will find a home eventually. Um, I have another question here, very general. Um, how long should my car loan be? I mean, there's no one answer to that question. No, it depends on uh, how long you want to keep the car. It depends on how good a car you're buying. Um, uh, you know, I, I used to say anybody that finances a car for six years, 72 months, or even 84 months is crazy. But, you know, uh, 25 or 30 years ago, that was true. Today, uh, if you got a really low interest rate, sometimes it's better uh, to weigh the cost of the financing against the length of the financing. If somebody has zero financing for 60 months, grab it. Mm -hmm. uh, but you weigh it against the discount, it would be the alternative. So it's not a simple answer. It's, uh, uh, I, I, I don't think it's a, such a, a good idea to finance a car for seven years, but I can't say positively. Mm -hmm. And with cars lasting longer, like we've said, yeah. it's, not, you know, it's not as treacherous to, to, to finance a car for six years. Yeah, yeah great, great question. We're going to go back to the phones, Josh, mm -hmm. and we're going to talk to Becky from West Palm Beach. Good morning, Becky. Good morning. How are you, Nancy? Oh, we're great. How are you doing, Becky? I'm doing great. I love your show. Listen every week. Oh, uh, thanks so much, Berman Becky. Earlier, I have um, a story to tell you about Brayman. My good friend, she bought, turned in a Honda SUV and bought a new Honda SUV. So <clears throat> recently, she applied to renew her tag, and they told her that she owed four hundred dollars to a company up in Melbourne. She said, what are you talking about? I gave that car to the car dealer. Well, oh. apparently after they took possession of the car, I don't know, she doesn't know what happened either, but somebody must have took that car off the lot or we don't know what happened. But it ended up in Melbourne and the towing company had to tow it and they're charging her because that car was still in her name. Unbelievable. And of course she tried to talk to Brayman and say, you know, I gave that car to you so you pay it and they know absolutely they won't we love these stories it's just have you uh, ever heard of that before yeah amazing earl um josh any advice oh i'm no i'm i'm, I'm sorry i wasn't uh, paying attention to that question <laughs> i was reading a text from a customer oh. okay <laughs> uh becky thanks for sharing mm -hmm. the story with us yeah that's crazy i mean she doesn't want to have to pay that money but if she wants to tag renew she has to drive to Melbourne. They won't even talk to her over the phone. She has that's, to go to the towing company and pay the money. Yeah, that's, I've never heard that. That's okay, so yeah. the, the the vehicle was purchased in, in Melbourne? No, no, the vehicle was purchased here in Brayman. Yeah, right Honda, here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So she yeah. turned over her old car, and somehow it ended up in Melbourne after she gave it to Brayman on the side of the road, you, you know, like broken down or something. Yeah. So the vehicle so she traded in was uh, uh, ended up on the side of the road somewhere else. Yeah. And yeah. they never uh, and the, they never completed the registration of the vehicle, so it's still attached there. That's Probably I mean that's on the dealership. Um, that's unheard of. They never uh, never acknowledged any anything at all. I think you need a lawyer. To the yeah, Not our what I would recommend is, is taking the bill of sale, the, the buyer's order that she has showing that vehicle being traded in um, and then uh -huh. and, and getting that to the uh, to the DMV or the police or whoever's involved. Um, and that should uh, absolve you of any responsibility there. 
Yeah, that's great information, yeah, Josh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a date on it, because it was like two weeks after the date that she gave them the car. Exactly. So that, yeah. that'll be a timestamp letting them know that that vehicle was out of your possession yeah. before it was abandoned up in Melbourne. I'm, I'm just sitting here shaking my head. Uh, that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I hope yeah. you can get that resolved. All right. Thanks, Nancy. Love your show. Best of luck Thank to you. Thank you, Becky. Give us a call okay. again. Uh, we, have, okay. we have a, a video clip that I'm going to hold off on showing um, that if we don't get to it, we'll get to it next week. Uh, I'd like to get um, any text that we have or okay. anonymous feedbacks and then get to the mystery shopping report. Okay, very good. Uh, we'll go back to uh, Josh. If uh, Rick doesn't have anything for it, no? Okay, go We're ahead, Josh. We're good right now. I have a, an, one, one last anonymous feedback here. It asks if we saw the New York Times uh, article um, about California's Department of Motor Vehicles accusing Tesla of falsely advertising its driver assistance technology in two complaints that could affect the company's ability to sell cars in the state. The agency said Tesla has misled c- customers by claiming in advertisements that vehicles equipped with autopilot and full self-driving capability were autonomous. If the agency's complaints to the state's Office of Administrative Hearings are if they succeed, Tesla's licenses to make and sell vehicles in California could be suspended or revoked. Yeah, I, I read that. I, I will say this. Uh, uh, there, there was no uh, intent to uh, deceive or defraud anyone, but I will say this just as a Tesla owner. Uh, I think they throw the word autonomous around a little lightly, and uh, and it could uh, make some people they, they 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 play with the terminology. But to most people, fully autonomous means fully autonomous, um, and uh, there are different degrees of autonomy. So, if Tesla should be more careful about the way they they use the word autonomy, uh, the way it is now with Tesla. And you know, most people that own Teslas and are thinking about buying Teslas understand this. Um, you have uh, probably three different degrees of autonomy currently in a in a Tesla, um, and to reach your what they call the closest thing to full autonomy, which is not really full autonomy, you have to pass a test with your car before they allow you to use it. And then once you use it, they can cancel you immediately. And we yeah. talk, there's a, uh, there are people that have had their full autonomy turned on, and then because they didn't abide by the care and rules that you have to when you're fully autonomous, uh, they turn the software off, and mm-hmm. then it's no. And they notified you, your full autonomy has been canceled because you're a bad boy. <laughs> you know, where you're suspended for 30 days. So it's, it's very tedious. I yeah. think it would be. I think it would be uh, crazy to cancel Tesla's uh, license to sell cars in California. I don't think that'll ever happen. But on the other hand, I think Tesla should be more careful about making it clear what autonomy is. And the irony of Tesla being like the first like automotive company to be punished you know for false advertising when, right. when there's 800 million dealers you yeah. know doing worse things every single day yeah exactly yeah, so. well that's it for the anonymous feedback if you uh, want to get to your video i think we might okay know. well okay can we cue that up uh, john i didn't think we would get to it but here, here's a video that we've got uh that is uh, remarkable and it sums up the kind of the state of the world with automotive manufacturing and uh and also uh, retailing of automotive. Uh, it's about two or three minutes, and uh, I was quoted in this uh, article 
uh, and that's not the reason I'm recommending it, but I, I really think it is uh, very interesting, and we can go. Here we go. There are more than 16,000 auto dealerships in the U.S., and most are small businesses. But these companies face some challenges ahead. Consumers are growing ever more accustomed to buying things online. New car makers, such as Tesla and Rivian, are selling cars directly to consumers using digital tools, bypassing dealers entirely. And record high vehicle prices have irritated customers and earned rebukes from automakers. The boom in auto sales was fueled by a few factors. First, inventory was tight due to production shutdowns at the beginning of the pandemic, but the ongoing challenge remains chips and other supply shortages. Basic economic principles, supply is low and demand high, prices go up. In normal times, dealers carry large inventories and have to discount much of it in order to move it. They aren't doing that now. Dealers buy cars from the manufacturer and fund those purchases with financing, so lower inventory means lower borrowing costs. They also had to get a lot more efficient during the pandemic. A lot of what would have been done by hand in the office is now online, partially because of the need to cut staff. While the auto dealership business appears to be thriving, it does come with challenges, especially today. The franchise laws enacted in the earlier days of the auto industry were designed to protect dealers from competition from or unfair treatment at the hands of the automakers whose cars they sold. The laws more or less require new cars to be sold through dealers. This was to prevent an automaker from, say, opening a store across the street from one of its own dealers. Companies such as Tesla have no dealers and want to sell cars directly to consumers. Earl Stewart runs a Toyota dealership in North Palm Beach, Florida. He used to own one other dealership that he sold. Manufacturers much rather go direct today. They're looking at Tesla and Elon Musk and his success. I mean, good work. Tesla has the number one selling luxury car in America, and they have no dealers. <laughs> so, uh, the only reason the dealers exist today is because of the Tate franchise laws that were lobbied in by car dealers and their associations. But analysts are not expecting the end of franchise laws in the U.S. anytime soon. Even absent such strict laws, manufacturers might still want to rely on a franchise dealer network. Dealers do suffer some reputational challenges, though. One especially controversial point lately has been the price of vehicles. Even manufacturers have come out criticizing dealer markups. Dealers are charging two, three, four, five, ten thousand dollars over MSRP. I think we're reach, reaching a breaking point in the consumer. They're educated and they're just not going to take it anymore. And this has got to trickle down to the legislators and the people that need to get elected, the voters. If perception of the dealer suffers, it could have ramifications for anyone selling cars. Automakers can't dictate prices for cars, but they do have some levers they can pull. They have to approve the sale of every dealership in the U.S. The other lever automakers can use is allocations, how many cars a dealer gets. It is based first and foremost on how much you sell, but it also can be based on customer service scores and how much you invest in your business. It may take a while, but the era of the family-owned car dealership may slowly be coming to an end. Okay. Great stuff. That uh, sums up nicely <clears throat> the state of the affairs with 
dealers and auto manufacturers. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few years. I think we need to get to the mystery shopping report. Don't we, we are, but I have something to say to our callers that have called in, and uh, we can't thank you enough for calling in and mentioning uh, what happened at Bremen. Uh, to get two calls in one morning is uh, we know our mystery shopping reports are working. And uh, today we go to Mystery Shop of Adi of Stewart. And like I tell you, week in and week out, ladies and gentlemen, it's important that you too rate this Mystery Shopping Report. And you can do so by texting us with your grade at 772-497-6530. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Okay, Mystery Shopping Report. And this was uh, composed by Josh Stewart sitting across uh, the uh, table from me here. He did a great job, and uh, I'm, I'm just reading it. But uh, this is an interesting report. For those of you who could not tune in last week, Agent Lightning paid her first visit to Bremen Honda of Palm Beach. We've talked about that a lot today. Uh, it did not go well. Our listeners uh, don't take kindly to paying $6,000 over MSRP, and Bremen Honda received failing grades. Highly unusual. You normally don't fail people because they're dealers because we grade on the curve, but it was so bad that we failed Bremen Honda. We take no pleasure in sharing these bad mystery shops. We'd much rather report that Agent Lightning had a pleasant and transparent experience. Of course, that'd be very boring every single week, but we truly want to see positive change in the auto retail industry. In fact, we long for a day when shows like our own cars will not be necessary. That's kind of sad, though. Because we have so much. True. We have fun, though. <laughs> this week, we sent Agent uh, Lightning on our first visit ever to Audi of Stewart. This dealership is owned by the Mergato Automotive Group. And by the way, um, you know, uh, uh, Gus Mergato is Mario. Mar- yeah, Mario, uh, nicknamed Gus. Yeah. Is, um, is a really good guy. I know him, and uh, we sat on the board of directors of the Florida Automobile Dealers Association together. Uh, now, uh, they have a total of 18 locations in Florida, New Jersey, and Illinois. It all started with founder Mario <laughs> Gus Mergato. A wonderful success story. At five years old, Mario immigrated from Cuba. He worked hard, found success in the car business, picking his way up the ranks of the Bremen organization. He branched out, funny, ironic. Everything's tying together. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) he branched out on his own and brought his first dealership in Miami in 2001. And 21 years and 18 dealerships later, the rest is history. Uh, Mr. Magado is a good guy with all those locations. Does he really know what's happening? I can answer that, no, I mean, that's the problem with large volume, large size. You lose control, and uh, maybe that's the reason you can't we only be have everywhere it. at the same time. Exactly. Know? I gave up. I had multiple dealerships at one time, and I gave up. I saw it was impossible for me to control, and so now we're having a hard time just controlling the one. <laughs> um, is Audio Stewart taking advantage of his customers during this historic inventory shortage? Agent Lightning paid them a visit to find out. And here's the report, speaking as if I were Agent Lightning. I roamed the uh, showroom for several minutes before being greeted by a salesperson named Brian who offered his assistance. We began a discussion of my wants and needs. 
He went over the sedan options they had in stock, the Audi A3, A4, A5. Not very imaginative when it yeah, comes to names. Yeah, they're very boring names. Yeah, why don't they come up with a... You know, like, the Germans, like the, the BMWs and Audis, they have very just plain... German yeah. efficiency! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. He described each trim level one by one in great detail to me and my daughter. Our Brian was a fountain of information and very, very thorough. Outside, despite the heat, he made sure we saw each and every vehicle that was available. Sweating, I picked a white 2022 Audi A3. Sticker price was $40,520, and no surprise next to that was an addendum, the old addendum sticker, with three extras. Wheel locks, $199. Nitro, nitrogen, 199 Permaplate, 399 So about 800 bucks of junk fees. Uh, that brought the total to $41,317. Satisfied that this was the car for me, he suggested we head inside and he would ready the car for a test drive. Back inside, he offered us a beverage and M&M's. That's a nice touch. I, I had to include that detail because I was yeah. just I was tickled by that. And I love, I love M&M's. Who, who doesn't like M&M's? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Took a copy of my license. He then suggested we sit in the car and get comfy while he put our information into the system. He joined us in the car a little bit later, gave us a detailed explanation of all the controls and features. We learned all about the car and Brian's six years of selling Audis. Is that Audi or Audi? Um, it depends on what part of the country you're from. Okay. <laughs> Down here, it's, it's Audi. Audi, okay. <laughs> Audi, Audi. Howdy, Audi. After the test drive, we headed back to the showroom. After making sure I didn't want to drive any other models, he asked how I planned to pay for the vehicle. I told him I planned to finance. He entered some numbers onto an iPad, showed it to me. The screen had an out-the-door uh, breakdown on one side and a grid with different monthly payments on the other side. Now, the selling price was 41317 Dock stamps, one forty-three fifteen. Uh, I'll mention that later if we have time because that's disturbing, dock stamps. Uh, dealer fee, nine ninety-nine. You see that all the time. License fee. Sounds legitimate, 432, don't know for sure. Electronic filing fee, another junk fee, mm -hmm. that's not legitimate, 239.95. Um, battery fee, that's standard, SOP, $6.50. You wonder why did they put that in there? Uh, they put that in there because it's official, it's legitimate, and they actually pay it, and there's no tax on that, and so you mix the legitimate end with the illegitimate and you kind of get smoked over it's so good tactics yeah good tactic yeah <laughs> uh t tag agency fee 89 dollars junk fee illegitimate uh, you know not right uh, mvwea i had to google this that motor. stands for motor vehicle warranty enforcement act <laughs> it's, it's actually a florida statute or law and it's and it and I somehow it allows them to charge a fee. I I, yeah. I think we need to do some research and attack this on a on a future show. Sounds like part of the smoke, uh, yeah. like the uh, battery fee. Exactly, yeah. it makes I it mean, a legit fee. I mean, for two bucks, I mean, absorb it, right? Yeah, you're charging. Why well, itemize dollars. that? Yeah. <laughs> right. it's, it's one millionth of a percent of the price, and you put it right. there. Anyway, tax uh, sales tax, two thousand six hundred four dollars <throat> seventy five cents. Well, that's legitimate, and the balance is. $45,832.35. All told with junk fees, all told Sorry. with junk fees and dealer ads, we were about 
$2,100 over a sticker. Now, let me say this. There's a lot of junk, but the total is not shocking. I mean, 2100 not, not in this market. That's, that's, this that's market. Pretty, uh, yeah. pretty gentle, actually. It's at the low end of, of the, the old MSRP. <laughs> On the payment side, there were several options. The lowest payment was highlighted in green, $561 for 72 months with $10,000. Just on that, uh, if I may interject, um, that's actually a very, that was an interest rate somewhere in the 3 to 4% range. So that it was not a uh, yeah. it was not an atrocious sounding interest rate. So yeah. on the financing side of that p- proposal, yeah. it sounded like they were being uh, somewhat fair. So I thanked him and let him know I'd be in touch. He said that although he could not hold the car for me, he would park it way in the back. So, <laughs> well, but see, it was uh, a, a far more subtle, gentlemanly sort of a pressure. Yeah, I uh, got the impression he, this was a very thorough and very yeah. a very talkative salesperson. That was the that was the, the temperature of, yeah. of Agent Lightning's uh, text there. And after the terrible shopping report uh, a couple of weeks ago with Bremen Honda. Uh, I have to say we grade on the curve, and as we document all these individual fees like dock stamps, dealer fee, license fee, electronic volume fee, it sounds really, really bad, but it's got SOP. So we grade on the curve, and uh, there we are. Uh, uh, no real pressure, and uh, uh, let's, see, let's see what the grades are as the grades come in. Well, I have one uh, from Mark right here I can kick off. He says, too many crappy fees. He gives them a C minus. Um, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Rick, anything coming through on uh, YouTube there? So far, just one. Uh, Tom Steckel says, D minus, an upscale dealer operating like Hollywood Kia. (laughs) And Tim Gilliland, nitrophil, really? Not the worst, but still too many fees. And he gives them a C. Uh, mm-hmm. no, I'm, I'm still, uh, I'm still uh, shaking from the Bremen Honda one, and that was so bad that that was an F, mm-hmm. and we gave them an F, and we don't usually give us. So, again, uh, A's are rare, F's are rare, but we do great on the curve. <clears throat> the one, the one thing that bothered me most about, um, and I don't even think that um, Audi uh, of Stewart realizes, Doc stamps. Uh, it was a small amount, $143.15. There are no dog stamps unless you finance the car. Well, he did ask how you, she, and she said, that was part of the report, she said, I plan to finance. So uh, there's a little bit of like legitimacy to them, including that there, I but suppose. That, but that's charged by the lending company. True. And it's included in the monthly payment. Yes. But I guess sure. if it it would reflect, well, it wouldn't reflect her total uh Amount finance because yeah, they didn't no. include interest charges, so it's a little sh- uh, pretty shady yeah. that it's, it's sure. there for sure. Okay, what's your grade, Nancy? Well, <laughs> um, I'm going to give them a C. Uh, it's a pretty good mystery shopping report. Not great, but it's okay. Yeah. But it's a passing grade, you say? Yeah. yeah I, okay. I would, I'd almost go over a C, but I I agree. I think that's. That's a C. I'm okay. not crazy about the nitrophil. It's an old story. Everybody knows about it. Yeah. I, I have a Frank here. Uh, he says, I'm very familiar with the Audi dealership. We love the M&Ms. Um, and Brian is a true gentleman, so oh. he gives them a B+. Um, hmm. 
I think personally, I was at a C, but the M&Ms are putting me up to a C plus. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm not sure if they're peanut or plain M&Ms. I was just going to ask you if that. If it's peanut, I, I would be at a B minus, but I'm just assuming she didn't mention peanut. It's, yeah. I'm going to keep it at a C. Okay. Bob says C for Audi of Stewart. And uh, I'm sorry, there's a correction. Jonathan Wellington, first he said, I'm giving them a B, but I'm giving them a C. Um, go ahead, Rick. I've got Negan one. C, can't wait till all these games are over. Kyle in Pennsylvania, although you didn't give me a grade, Kyle, he says, very cool to see you on the CNBC clip, Earl. And we've got, uh, let's see, uh, Brian Sedlaco, D minus, too many junk fees. Rico West, C for crappy fees. Guy Larrabee, the junk fees annoy me the most. Otherwise, not bad, a solid C. Steve Ward, C minus, far from the worst, but still think I'll shop in New York, too. Uh, Steve also says nitro free is or nitro fill is free at Costco, and for me, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go a little more lenient. I'm gonna say a B minus. I think the fees are a little hefty there, um, but I'm gonna give them the benefit of a doubt and go on on the curve. Yeah, I think the M and M's were a good touch mm-hmm. and an educated salesman. That. That's an important feature. Breaking news, they have both a peanut and plain M&M's. Okay. Frank confirmed. So I'm, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to a B minus. Oh. There you go. I don't yeah. know. I, th- I think I just learned something new about Josh. Options. He will work for M&M's. Peanut M&M's specifically. They're my favorite. Okay, I changed mine too to a C plus. All right. Well, congratulations. But not because of the M&M's, because of the call-in we had for the person that did Yes, with yeah, him. Frank uh, uh, gives yeah. a special shout-out to Brian for C being plus, a gentleman. yeah. Uh, Anybody else have uh, something for me? Okay, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to Earl Stewart on Cars. Uh, We sure had a great time this morning with you, and we enjoy your company. You're a big part of the show, and we do appreciate you. Have a great weekend. We'll be right back here next Saturday morning, 8 a.m.